Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Welcome back to Career Catharsis. I'm your host, Neha Koram. Every episode, I invite experts in the fields of wellness and transformation to guide your personal and professional development journey. Today, I will be chatting with my friend Amit Katabi, life coach and speaker, empowering us to become aware of our self-limiting beliefs through the stories we tell ourselves. If you are tackling feeling stuck in any area of your life, at home or at work or in friendships, this episode will help you open new ways to discover yourself with renewed perspective. Thank you for joining me on today's episode of Career Catharsis, Amit. I'm so excited to be chatting with you a little bit about the stories we tell ourselves and the journey to self-realization. So before we dive into any questions, I'd love for our listeners to get a better understanding of your background if you wanted to introduce yourself. Absolutely. Well, thank you for having me. I'm super excited. Every time I have an opportunity to chat, I take it. So thanks. (laughs) Um, So my name is Amit Katabi. Like you said, I am a self-realization guide. And often to explain that, I kind of compare myself to a shaman. So consider me as your shaman, maybe minus, minus the ayahuasca um, in, the shaman, in the, you know, the shaman ceremony. <laughs> so what you do when you go to a shaman or any spiritual guide, you, um, you begin this journey, this process of opening your awareness and your consciousness to go beyond your conditioned mind. Now, what, con- what is conditioned mind is... Um, Basically, all those things, all those um, habits, we are all bundled habits and stories and things from our past and what we believe, you know, about ourselves or about the world. And going beyond that really opens up um, some new possibilities for you. So when you go to a shaman, for example, and you do an ayahuasca ceremony or any, you know, psychedelic kind of um, experience you never really know what you're going to get. So you may have some expectations on, on what this is going to be, and you may have some intentions or some goals in mind, but you really don't know what is it that you're going to see for yourself. And I think that's the most exciting thing in mm. self-realization. And I feel that it's the same uh, um, with me. So people will come to me for different things, but the journey is really what we're, what we're doing. We don't really know what we are going to get, but I always say I'm so excited to find out. So that's pretty much what I do. Wow. I honestly just got goosebumps, <laughs> chills. I think that is so beautiful and very impactful work and very much needed in today's climate of uncertainty. And I think now is a time where a lot of people are journeying inwards So they're looking for guidance from people such as yourself to kind of walk with them on that journey or get them to discover, discover that, right? So can you tell us a little bit about your journey in helping people dig deeper on their path to self-realization? Absolutely. Um, I think I I need to begin, I guess, in the beginning, Mm -hmm. right? (laughs) So I'm, I'm born and raised in Israel. And I grew up with a father that is mentally ill. 
Um, my father was diagnosed with, with different things. I won't go um, to each, but uh, one of them is uh, schizophrenia. <clears throat> uh, excuse me, he was diagnosed um, as a sociopath. And I've watched my father have thoughts that would take him, have thoughts that would really have control over him. And as you can imagine, watching, you know, someone that you love so much, someone that is close to you, if it's ruining himself or everything that is around him, he was, he's suicidal as well. Mm-hmm. And really watching him obviously had a huge impact on me. So as I remember, you know, as a, little, as a, as a child or as a teenage, just watching him all the time. And not just watching him to to necessarily understand him, even though I, I always try to understand him. I never understood why he thought that nothing was in his control. Um, every Everything that he did um, was, he attributed to, um, it was always someone else's fault. Always someone else's fault. And I used to watch him often, mostly to kind of protect myself. So he was very unpredictable. So watching him kind of helped me, or maybe, maybe I thought that it helped me um, mm. protect myself. And even though I couldn't help my father, okay, so my father is on the spectrum, obviously. I feel like we're all on a spectrum of some mm-hmm. kind of unawareness. So of course, my father is way out there in the spectrum. Most of us are in the middle uh, when it comes to our awareness and consciousness and what we know about our thoughts and how we identify with them. But really, um, he was probably, he was not probably, but he was my first inspiration to begin and, um, and help people with, um, with not having thoughts take them. Mm-hmm. Wow. So he was really your motivation to not only go on your own journey of self-realization, but then to empower others to seek the same. Absolutely. You see, seeing, seeing someone, um, especially someone so close to you, just getting taken by, mm-hmm. um, by his behavior was it, it was, it was frustrating. That's what it is. It's frustrating to see that uh, people really don't believe in the fact that they can have some control over their mm-hmm. lives. And what it made me do was just take unreasonable control over mine. Mm. So, so it really made, in a way, I almost wanted to prove him wrong. Mm. It started with that. And I started spreading that and spreading that message around me since I was really a teenager. Mm-hmm. Um, so if it was, first of all, around friends um, and around family. And then um, in my 20s, I started also um, helping other women, mostly mm-hmm. women uh, who were, I was, I volunteered in different organizations and, um, the organizations that I used to volunteer the most were women organizations. Mm-hmm. So women who's been through, um, different, um, different kind of abuse, if it was sexual abuse or mental abuse, um, or domestic violence. Um, there was also something that was close to my heart because my father's disease also, uh, made him very violent, uh, mm-hmm. not just to himself, but to us as well. So mm-hmm. it was very important to me to be that rock um, for them as well. Wow. So, okay, you mentioned working with women, but I'd like to know a little bit more about the profile of clients that 
you're currently working with? Mm -hmm. So currently, I, I mostly work with women, even though I love working with men. I've worked with men mm -hmm. um, in the past as well. Um, and I do work mostly with women. I still, I feel like still I work with a lot of women who have, um, who've been through some kind of sexual abuse or domestic violence. There's a lot of, um, there's a lot of stigma around, mm -hmm. around that. And I, you know, I always say, like, I, I believe that we all deserve to walk this life feeling worthy and feeling fulfilled mm -hmm. and not feeling judged. That's something I'm very passionate about. So, so bringing women in who's been through all those things and, mm -hmm. and really showing them the possibility beyond that, because women who come with certain, um, mm -hmm. with these type of, uh, coming after these type of relationships really have no, not a lot of self-esteem. Mm -hmm. So so working with them um, on opening them up and showing them that they are worthy, mm. it's really like, it gives me goosebumps just, just even talking about it. Right. Because really showing them the, um, like I said, all these possibilities that they have and their worthiness is really mm -hmm. worthwhile, everything I, I, I do. And I've, and I've done it for free for so long, for so many years, mm -hmm. I volunteered for organizations to do it really only because I believe that this is, it's a mission. Mm -hmm. Something that stood out to me in one of our previous conversations is that the work that we do as coaches is service, right? It's service to humankind. And I know that we had also touched on the fact that right now with the mass unemployment and layoffs and uncertainty in the economy, a lot of people are reaching out to you with job search related issues and kind of tying into what you said about self-esteem, a lot of self-esteem issues stem from trauma that is unresolved or inner critic or self-limiting beliefs. But I'd like to kind of hear from your side, what is the number one issue that people are facing right now? And what is the number one tip that you have when it comes to some of that anxiety or negativity or sort of struggle currently yeah so i i have been working um a lot with either other coaches um they mm -hmm. they have clients when you come just like yourself that people come to them with um different career um struggles mm -hmm. or looking for jobs or maybe trying to um change jobs and i come in more as the I feel that uh i come in more as the um the beginning of of, of mm -hmm. why Right. So why, why do, why do we have this kind of relationship with ourselves or with our jobs as if it says something about us? So there's a lot of self-worth that is attached to, and not just jobs, but there's a lot of self-worth that is attached to, to outside things. So, so the power that I strive to give people is inner strength because you see pandemics are not new. Pandemics are going to happen. Uh, right. Financial crises are going to happen. And a lot of other things are going to happen. None of us is uh, excluded from, from, from things to happen in our outside world. But we need to have such a strong inside world so that we'll know how to react to them. Mm -hmm. So I feel that definitely a lot of people come to me with either self-sabotaging behavior, mm -hmm. that something keeps showing up in their life and they don't know why. Wow. Um, they don't understand why, you know, they keep finding themselves in the same position. Mm -hmm. And uh, yes, and a lot of it is related to work. And often when we start the sessions, 
they don't necessarily, and that's where, that's, that's where the gap comes in. So if something keeps on showing up for you, and it, it means that there's something that you, that you don't see for yourself. Otherwise, it wouldn't, otherwise, you would stop it, okay? Mm-hmm. So there's something there, and I, I just want to talk about that gap for a second because knowing things is just not enough in, in what we do. So mm-hmm. we, can, we can know how to stop smoking. We can know how to lose weight. We can know how to you know, maybe apply for a job or, or mm-hmm. all those things. But yet, if we still find ourselves in the same situation where, where if, you know, if I sit in an interview and I don't understand why I'm so, again, if it's I'm so nervous or I'm feeling, I, I come from this place of black, this place mm-hmm. that you know, they need, um, um, I need them or they don't need me. It's really the place of, of worthiness. Mm-hmm. And so sometimes I feel like it's a little beyond just, it's not sometimes, I'll say always in my, in the cases that I've, you know, that I've seen, it's a little okay. beyond than just having, than having a strategy around interviewing. Mm-hmm. Okay? There is a gap there that, that often people don't understand and don't know and don't see for themselves on why, why do I feel the way I feel? Why am I stuck in this specific um, area and that's what I work with uh, with mm-hmm. people on it's the underlying why of their behavior their attitudes and their beliefs Absolutely. that's super, super powerful I think you know in my experience as a coach working with job seekers in particular I think sometimes candidates will be very excited about a particular opportunity or an interview and they may have this surface level confidence, but then going back to what you said about self-sabotaging behavior, I think sometimes there is some neighbor in the room, you know, in their mind that, you know, they can't pick out and it's kind of tapping into who that voice is, why that voice is still there and kind of uh, finding a way to move forward, really. So... On the topic of getting unstuck, what is your number one tip for people struggling with kind of a block in whatever goal they're trying to achieve? I think that the, the number one, you see the self-realization is, is a process. So I mm-hmm. want to go back to what, when I said with a shaman or with the ayahuasca or the people who uh, experiment with psychedelics, you know, you could take something, you can take a psychedelic or, or do something like that and, and it will, you know, maybe open your awareness mm-hmm. um, for a little bit. You'll see things for yourself. And when you see something for yourself, why it's so important to see new things? Because when you see it, you can't go back. Mm-hmm. Okay, so when you've seen something, this is it. We need to move forward from that. The thing is with the process is that it's, it's slowly but surely. It takes, it, mm-hmm. it takes, a long, it takes longer to begin this process and then you begin also to be a little bit more self, you know, self-reliant when it comes to, um, to, to open your awareness. Mm-hmm. And, and it is, it, it could, you know, for some people it could take a little, uh, uh, you know, longer um, or people, some people can see, you know, things depending on how open you are. Mm-hmm. Um, and the thing is that as you, as you walk through this process, it's really important to know, that you need to you need to come open and aware so if if we're looking for tips even mm-hmm. though like i said the reason that i'm saying it's a process it's because i i don't like love giving just one you know uh, fix me up kind of things right. because it's not what i do but but really the first thing is to become start becoming aware to your inner conversation some mm-hmm. of us don't even realize that we talk to ourselves 24/7 maybe minus 
sleeping, mm-hmm. but even in our sleeping, our, 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 our uh, un, you know, unconsciousness is still coming in some kind of form in, in, mm-hmm. in our dreams. But we really talk to ourselves from the moment you wake up to the moment you go to sleep. So begin really paying attention to it. Mm-hmm. Start, start really being aware to this conversation. So it's really being aware of your awareness. <laughs> mm. Right. And you can yeah. do it everything in everywhere, you know, everywhere you go and in everything you do, mm-hmm. just really start becoming aware of that. And really after that, what I recommend is to, to, to begin. And it's funny because I, I say to people begin stopping and that's, mm-hmm. that's, it sounds kind of weird, but really start to stop yourself, right? Stop yourself and start asking yourself questions. Okay. So start saying, but do I have to be this way? But does mm-hmm. it have to be this way? So if you, you know, if you say about yourself, I've always been this way, this always annoyed me. This is my pet peeve mm-hmm. or, or different things that you tell yourselves, you tell that we tell ourselves, we need to start stopping and just saying, well, but could I do something different? But what if mm-hmm. I'll do this? Stop putting all these uh, um um, you need to start putting question marks around everything, yeah. everything that you believe in. And, and sometimes it could be really scary because, you know, if you identify yourself, for example, as a feminist, okay, which nothing is wrong with it. I've ind- identified myself as a feminist for many, many, you know, many years. And there's a right. lot of values um, in it. Sometimes there are some things and beliefs that don't really serve us, that kind of close us to other things. So really start questioning all those things. And this is also when it comes to the attachment, because, mm-hmm. because again, we attach ourselves to those things, to being a feminist, being black, being white. And that really separates us also mm-hmm. from each other. And it's kind of hard to see each other when we hold those beliefs so strong. Mm-hmm. And then we just live life and walk life in that way. Right. The concept of over-identification is something that's starting to creep up as we do journey into, I would say, a climate where identity is being discussed more and more for many good reasons and for many values, as you mentioned, that people want to promote and see in others and in society. But yeah, I think over-identification is its own topic that, you know, it would be great to even unpack at some point. Um And I do think that in the workplace, we're starting to see a lot of those conversations and behavior manifest as well. So I think something I'd like to know on your end is how can people start to create a more two-way street when it comes to this inner dialogue? Because I think what happens in my experience, what I've seen with my clients is that a lot of the times they find that their mind is talking to them, but they're forgetting that they have the power to kind of talk back to themselves, if that makes any sense. So I love what you said about start stopping. And um, what I usually say is practice the pause. And not just, you know, in general life, but like I specifically talk about it in an interview setting. But you know, I love that you're kind of applying that philosophy to you know, um, I guess the inner dialogue that occurs with ourselves starts stopping. But can you kind of add any any other ideas to that when it comes to inner dialogue and how to start asking ourselves the right questions? Yes, absolutely. So I'm a serial meditator. 
Mm-hmm. Meditation is something that I think we don't do enough of. And I feel that it kind of emerged to the West, you know, maybe in the past, I don't know how many years, but n- not that long and not enough. I think that meditation is a practice that we all should um, should do once a day, even twice a day. I sometimes do it, do it three times a day, understanding a few things about meditation. One, there's many ways to meditate, okay? And the meditation is exactly that way to put space between you and your thoughts, mm-hmm. what you were just mentioning. So how do you put, and now, and everything happens in that space. When you start putting space between you and your thoughts, you start understanding that they're not you. You know, mm-hmm. it's kind of the don't believe everything you think, okay? Mm-hmm. And when I talk about this space, why is this space so important? First of all, everything happens in that space between. So let's talk about space a little bit, even in a house. Mm-hmm. If you look at a house, a house is four walls, right? But that doesn't, it's not what makes a house, the four walls. It's the space inside the house that makes a wall, that makes, I'm sorry, it's the space between the walls that makes the house. Yeah. Right? It's what happens inside inside that space uh there's one sentence by dr wen dyer that uh that said that really resonated with me that he says um it's not the bars that hold the tiger but it's the space between the bars right so just think Mm. about that for a moment it's always the space between even if you think of words and poems and lyrics Mm. what really makes you know makes a poem i mean if you'll put if you'll put words with no space, they'll make no sense, right? You need to put space between. So it's the same thing with meditation. And when, and often people tell me when I, when I tell them to begin meditating, it's, it's, it's a must. When, when we talk and when we talk, when I talk to clients, I, I, I always recommend to begin the practice of meditation, even if you need to do it three, you know, three minutes a day, Mm -hmm. that's enough to, to begin. And I often hear things, I can meditate. My head goes, you know, my thoughts go everywhere. Mm-hmm. So I have a few things on that. First of all, you're not the only one. I don't know anyone except the, you know, the gurus, all the sads in, uh, in India mm-hmm. um, and the Deepak Chopras that are masters of meditation. Mm-hmm. But you're not special, okay, in that way. We all, our, our mind goes everywhere and it will go all the time. It's enough for you to sit with yourself mm-hmm. for three minutes and even if your mind is going to go, you know, well, is going to go back and forth and your thoughts are going to uh, come in and out, mm-hmm. just the practice of sitting and bringing yourself back again and again, you're meditating. It's enough. Yeah. <laughs> it's enough to do that. And it is really vital and it's crucial. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I also always say, if you cannot sit with yourself for three minutes, okay, a day, you mm-hmm. are in bad company. You need to really <laughs> think about that. Okay, yeah. and I, th- I think that that's what really become uh, really um, present to people right mm-hmm. now, that we are really being met with ourselves mm-hmm. because, you know, social gatherings are, are, are less and less, right? Some people don't have families where they yeah. live. Some people are not married or don't have kids or do- just don't have a lot of people around yeah. them. So you really, you are stuck with yourself. <laughs> so you really need to make sure that you love being with yourself, that your thoughts um, are mm-hmm. not, again, that your thoughts don't have control and power over you. Mm. And the, the fact that we always also, that we binge often on, you know, TV shows or always with our phones 
Mm-hmm. It's, be, it's because it's so mindless. It's such a mindless activity. Mm-hmm. Okay, so you don't have to be with yourself when you're watching yeah. television. You don't have to be with yourself when you're always on the phone. Yeah. And, and this is also where the self-love starts to come in because if you start, you know, meditating and being with yourself and start appreciating mm-hmm. everything that is around you and, and the little moments in life, you'll start developing this kind of self-love to mm-hmm. yourself. And really, what else is there besides self-love? Yeah. Absolutely. I think you're drawing a really great distinction between being alone and spending time with yourself. So spending quality time with oneself is different than simply being alone in the absence of others, because that's when we can be very mindless, as you mentioned, either watching TV or scrolling through media or consuming something or the other, whether it's food or smoking or some other kind of activity. And not to say that activities aren't useful or that they don't have their purpose or, um, you know, you can have mindful activities too. In fact, I would say maybe painting or some kind of hobby could be a really mindful meditative practice. And not to just say something calm, but, you know, for some people, maybe that's working out. Maybe that's something that's not your stereotypical spiritual activity, right? Um, But I guess what I'm hearing is being comfortable with yourself to kind of um, be conscious and mindful with that time versus spending it aimlessly or trying to distract yourself from your inner thoughts or whatever that practice is that you're doing on your own. Absolutely. And there's also nothing wrong with you know, binging on television shows. Yeah, this time, <laughs> exactly. Right? There's nothing. I, you know, I, I do that too, and it, I don't think there's anything wrong with it. It's when it's being used to to escape yeah. all the time. It's when you don't feel that you can be with yourself. Is that when you feel that you always need to be around, always need to be around people. And mm-hmm. of course, that connections are very important. So being around people is also important. Again, it's, it's when it's being used to not being alone and right. not being with yourself. That's when it becomes very anxiety. Th- this is where anxiety comes in, mm. right? So this is where anxiety comes in because you will be with yourself. You are with yourself yeah. most of the time, especially now. So you might as well, you know, be, start being comfortable with it. And mm-hmm. one way that I also love to meditate is, is just like you said, just start bringing some mindfulness activities into your life even when you're eating okay so even when you're eating eat mindfully in a way that you're experiencing food that you're literally listening to the um to the fork and knife on the plate when you're listening to your chewing and i know that sometimes i tell you any sounds it could it could sound a little odd <laughs> for people yeah uh, because we, we just we, we just don't tend we don't you know, we don't eat that way. Even when we walk, when you walk outside, right? And you walk in somewhere, you just walk to walk. Yeah, you don't pay attention. 100%. We're just fo- focusing on, on walking and where we are. Sometimes we can walk somewhere and drive somewhere. And we're like, how did I get here? How did yeah. I get here so quickly? Because I didn't even pay attention. So just, just realize that this is your life. This is what you're missing. Mm-hmm. You're literally missing living. You can't live here in your head and live mm-hmm. outside. You, it's either or. Okay. And, and, and we really need to choose and, mm-hmm. and there's nothing in, there's nothing in the mind. It's, it's completely, it's 100% our, 
um, like I said, it's it's like it's it's our it's 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 made up, right? All these thoughts, it's completely projection. And and I want to expand on that. I'm gonna try. I'll try and go a little deeper. I know the conversation. Um, so so a lot of the times, what happens when you when you really start being and and living in the now and i know that that's something that we all strive for because where else are you going to live you it's not like you can live anywhere else mm-hmm. and and living in the now the practice of med- of meditation really helps and what happens is when you start doing all these practices you're seeing that when you are in the now nothing is really happening okay mm-hmm. so it could be i always say so life is a is a there's a, many paradoxes in life and I, you know, even say that life is a whole big paradox. So there's two things that can, that happens when you, when you meditate. So first of all, it's really, it's, it's the number, I, I think from, you know, my practices is that it's really the number one thing that really can help with anxiety in a healthy way. Okay. Mm-hmm. Non-medication, healthy way to start putting you in, in the now, because all our stresses, everything really happens in our mind. If you really stop for a moment, and that's a practice that I've learned from Deepak Chopra, if I'm feeling anxious, I'll lay on the bed and I'll talk to myself and I'll say, Amit, nothing is happening. I'll feel the, the sheets on in my hands or, you know, nothing is here. I'm laying in bed. I'm just laying in bed in my bedroom. Nothing is happening. So sometimes it's a lot more exciting in our mind because that's where all the drama goes. And, you know, it's, it's, like, it's like the next moment is more important that, than what it's happening now. Yeah. Okay, so when you get to that, when you are able to really pause for a minute and understand that nothing is happening, sometimes it could be a little overwhelming too, Mm -hmm. because then it's kind of, well, there's really nothing. Everything is happening in my head. Mm -hmm. But if you, if you are able to do this as a way of, you know, in a way of healing, Mm -hmm. you understand that if you'll get to this nothing, then what really means is that I can do anything or I can build anything yeah. because there's nothing there. There's really nothing there. And I know that talking about it could be a little, um, it sounds maybe a little simple and, mm-hmm. and, and it's not, I understand that it's not simple. I've been through, I've been meditating for years now. And in the past year I've been meditating a lot, a lot more than I usually yeah. do, <laughs> you know, it's, a, it's very needed. Yeah, and I meditate a lot more and it's practice. It's just like, you're not going to go to the gym and after, after 30 minutes in the gym, you know, you're going to say to yourself, well, this is crap. You know, yeah. I can't do this. I can't, you know, I'm not, I'm not, you know, I don't, I'm not fit or of course not. Why would you expect to get fit after 30 minutes mm-hmm. at the gym? So the same, don't expect to, you know, to be this master meditator yeah. after, after trying it once and, and mm-hmm. you won't see anything until you really start practicing mm-hmm. it in your life. So really take five minutes a day. That's all mm-hmm. five minutes a day to do something that is to start bringing some uh, awareness into your life. Mm-hmm. You can walk outside and I begin to talk about the walk-in. You can walk outside and just look at, look at what you're seeing. Without yeah. judging it, don't call it a tree. Don't call it the river. I walk, we have a river here and I look at the river uh-huh. and instead of judging it and saying what it is and calling it names, just be present to where you live, mm-hmm. to where you are, right? Mm. Looking at it with a fresh perspective. Absolutely. I, lo- I like fresh perspective. I always say with curiosity, with mm-hmm. like a child, okay? Imagine yeah. that you're like a child that's seeing things for, for the first time mm-hmm. and you need to really open your curiosity and it's, it's really a mind exercise. 
I like saying in my events when I when I uh, kind of talk to people on how to listen and mm -hmm. how to walk, how to listen to this conversation, to this kind of conversation, because often you hear a lot of new things you've never heard before. Mm. And when you listen to conversation, when I say listen with curiosity, now that can, you know, up to our interpretation of curiosity mm -hmm. is and how do you do that? And I say, you know, if you go to a movie and for an hour and a half, you believe that dogs and cats can talk, okay? Mm -hmm. And you're not sitting there in the movie, right? You're not watching Pets World 2 and you're talking to your partner and saying things like, well, that's crap. Dogs and cats can't mm -hmm. speak, you know, because then you're not going to enjoy the movie. So you allow yourself to kind of let go and just watch the movie. Try to walk life this way. You'll be amazed of what you'll see and you'll be amazed of how you feel, really. I love that. So I'd love to know what is it that keeps you motivated in your practice? In my practice? Well, you know, it's a good question. I, it's funny because in the past, what used to get me motivated was always thinking about the future. But that was especially when I was back home. So living with mm -hmm. someone like my father, you know, I was a minor for, um, I, for the time when I was a minor and I couldn't, you know, live, live home mm. uh, and I had to stay at home. Really what kept me motivated and kept me like mentally alive was, was always living in my head and always imagining mm. and always visioning and being in my bedroom and listening to, to, to uh, music and reading poetry yeah. And reading philosophy and doing all those things and, and reminding myself that there's life after this, that I yeah. don't need to do, you know, that I don't need, I'm not going to be here and suffer this yeah. um, um, forever. Today, though, um, and that's also one of the things that, for example, I had to, to let go mm -hmm. because, because if I saw myself as this person who always has visions and, and always, you know, plan the future and sees the future and it saved me as a kid, I kind of had to let that go. Because mm -hmm. that was also a huge source for anxiety for me. Yeah. So the shift from the shift from focusing on the future and what's going to be to really practicing the being here and now mm -hmm. and always understanding that this is it. This is all there is. Like right here, this moment that I'm yeah. speaking with you right now, this is the most important moment right now. Right, right. now, me talking with you. This is it. And really, that's, that keeps me motivated. It keeps me motivated also the understanding and the knowing mm -hmm. that I have control over my life, that I have, I have zero control on outside events, mm -hmm. okay? You know, think about the uncertainty and everything that's happening right now. So I don't have control on what's happening with this virus, and I don't have control on when I'm going to get the vaccine. I don't know what's, right. you know, what's going to happen and what's going to be, but I do know Mm -hmm. that I have control over my mental. I do know mm -hmm. that I can control my health, that I can choose to get up and to exercise and I can choose to wake up and to, you know, say my gratitudes or write in my journal and do all those things that keep me, like I said, that keep me motivated. So the big thing right. for me is rituals. So mm -hmm. rituals is something that really keeps me in check. Mm -hmm. And it's something that, again, there's some rituals I do religiously, if it's exercising, if it's meditating, um, journaling, um, and reading. And all of that I can do in my first hour of the morning, okay? Yeah. It, doesn't, it, doesn't need to take, it doesn't need to take half of your day, okay? You can really, all of that, all, everything I said could be done in 30 minutes, 45 minutes of Absolutely. your day. Absolutely. It's more, it's, it's about being, it's more being consistent. 
So really just what keeps me motivated is, is, is that, is to, to, to know that I have control over that. Love that. Having control and then practicing that in the form of rituals. So no one can take that away from you. Absolutely. Love that. And what would you say is a highlight of your career so far? I think that choosing, um, doing what I'm really good at and what I love because mm -hmm. for myself, I also lived in a story for so long, a story mm -hmm. that I can't do this, that I can't, you know, I can, I can't possibly do this for a living. Like I, I you know, used to be my, my uh, side hustle <laughs> for so long. Yeah. I did it for, like I said, I did it with different organizations. I, I guided groups, even if it was at work, I had, I had um, a group at work that I used to um, kind of guide through different conversations. I guided groups in my house. I mentored others. And, and I also had some fears and, and, and stories around, you know, leaving a job and going on my own. And the most liberating thing that I've done for myself was that, was liberate myself from all, all this self-doubt Mm -hmm. All this access of, of thinking that a job and a life need to look in a certain way, mm -hmm. right? That I need to get a paycheck or that I need to, um, or I need someone to hire me for, mm -hmm. for a certain thing. And that was really the highlight of my career, just choosing myself and, mm -hmm. and going for it. And the other thing would be every time I, I work with someone mm -hmm. and I see on their face that they, that they were able to change some behavior thought mm -hmm. that was limiting them is just, I feel like I'm getting wings every time that happens. Yeah. I really do. <laughs> yeah. Yes. I totally understand. I think for me, I feel the same way anytime a candidate of mine gets a job. That's sort of the main goal we're working towards it never gets old, right? Never. Um, that happiness, that joy in helping others, it's super rewarding. Mm -hmm. So I would love for our listeners to maybe get some resources or ideas in terms of support, if you know of any that you'd like to share on the show. Sure. I think that when I really, like, I don't know, maybe like six years ago when I, um, I had kind of this, I had what I call this fed up moment, mm -hmm. this moment where I felt that I was weak to what was having me. Mm -hmm. um, in a way, I, I felt that my thoughts were too much and there was that, that my thoughts had me, like I said. And mm -hmm. I think I had this kind of, I had this very spiritual moment where I felt that if I was not going to really take care of myself, then I may end up like my father. Mm -hmm. And in that moment, I, I just made a decision. In that specific moment, I made a choice to just go out for a run for the first time. I never ran in my life before. Wow. And that was, yes, and that was, that was really it. And I remember running and crying. And don't ever run and cry because it makes you nauseous, just FYI. <laughs> but, <laughs> I bet. But, <laughs> yeah. but, but that was kind of my first moment on uh, doing that. And, I, and, and that's when I also started meditating. I, started, I, I took mm -hmm. it with about, I think, six years ago. Um, so when it comes to resources, there's so much free things out there. So the one, the number one thing that I tell people that I think it's, it's very, um, it's not, um, 
I think it needs to be spoken more as philosophy. Mm. So if you read philosophy, people like, you know, Marcus Aurelius, the meditations, um, a a different philosophy, like different, you know, stoic philosophy. Mm. They really talk, these are are things that have been out there for years. You know, the Tao Te Ching uh, by Lao Tzu, um, things that are, that have to do with you, that have to do with your existence. Why are we here? Okay. Mm what is joy i feel like you know in the in the east uh, in the west joy is associated with excitement and in the um, um in the east joy is associated more with peace okay so we don't need to be excited all the time to feel joyful it's actually just about being peaceful so all these things all these resources and they you can find them free on youtube yeah, and to to kind of to really to, to give you some perspective because that's what happens when we're so anxious. We have zero perspective. We feel everything is so dark around us. So when you start, you can start going into that rabbit hole. It's actually a good one. It's actually a good rabbit hole. And also, one thing that I love most is is being part of groups. Mm-hmm. So find groups, be around people. You're not alone in this. We're you know seven billion people in the world, and a lot yeah. of us feel feel lonely. We shouldn't yeah. feel lonely. We all, you know, you and I, we experiencing things very, very similar. So mm-hmm. maybe, you know, your struggles are different and my struggles may, may you know, may differ again in the story mm-hmm. that we tell ourselves, but we all feel, again, the, not worthy or loneliness, okay? Or jealousy or certain things, certain, certain feelings that will catch us all the time. But when you're around groups, when you're around other people, and I see, oh, she's going through the same thing. Oh, I felt that way. I know how that feels. It really makes you feel like you're not alone anymore. Mm-hmm. So what, one group that I, uh, that I take a lot of inspiration from um, and I'm a part of is uh, the 12-step group. You know, most mm-hmm. people know it as for addictions. And what we don't know is that a lot of us are, are addictive to a lot of things. Oh, it's yeah. Not, it's definitely not just alcohol, you know, and drugs or mm. things like that. You know, I know, I know. So I worked with someone who was addicted to, um, to approval and yeah. to the point that it was so important for her to get approval from, um, her bosses and her parents. And of course that the source of everything was the parents, right? It kind of, and then it translates to friends and it translates to, um, to your job. It meets you everywhere. If you were, mm-hmm. you know, if you're addicted to, to something, it will meet you in other places in life to the point that she was really literally killing herself at work, that she went to the hospital twice. Wow. So that's what I'm talking about when I say that now it has you. Now when the, your addiction has you and you, need, and you, you, know, you go to the hospital and then it also costs her in her relationship, obviously. So, so, so join these kind of groups. A lot of them are for free. Yeah. Okay? A lot of them are for free. Um, some of them you can even find like events, you know, an Eventbrite or, or certain things like that. Just find support. Always find support. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I think leaning into support networks is so crucial. It doesn't always have to be people that you already know. I think we live in a time where reaching out to absolute strangers, uh, you might have so much more in common with them and go through a journey with them that is very parallel. So really great advice there. Is there anything else that you'd like to share before we end our discussion? Um, sure. Um, and if you haven't, I, so I just watched the, the movie Soul. 
So by Disney, yes. Yeah. I always I always love bringing um television and yeah. and things because it's just so easy to understand mm-hmm. and I, I won't I'll try not to spoil the movie <laughs> to anyone. Yeah. But it just it just really touched touched me in a way that I know a lot of people are in pursuit to some purpose or some you know mm-hmm. some some high purpose that we're here to serve and that's where also the paradoxes come because a lot of people you'll hear like different messages you know each person has a purpose and mm-hmm. but I think that we put so much pressure on ourselves to find some kind of purpose and then when we don't find it we feel so disconnected mm. or, or our self-worth is starting to, to get damaged. And to really understand that we're really here to just experience, okay? We're not here necessarily to, to fix the world or to, um, you know, or, or some heroic mission. You're here to experience in this self-realization process, this looking, looking within, first of all, it's a very, very, very brave journey. It mm-hmm. might sound or feel a little scary to some because it is. it could be confronting, as you know, as a coach, because you need to deal with, you know, the good, the bad, and ugly. Mm-hmm. But there's freedom on the other side. So hang on to that freedom. Every time you find something about yourself, even if it's something you don't really want to look at, there's, mm. there's freedom there on the other side. So I just love- don't stop. I love that. Yeah, I, I think, you know, a lot of people talk about it as facing your demons and making it some scary thing. But meeting yourself can be so freeing, as you said, and that awareness piece, right? Being aware of why you do what you do and, you know, how, how you want to actually design your life and how you want to live your life is really the basis of so much of what people are striving to accomplish, whether it's peace or success, you know, I think what you mentioned about people looking at external triggers or this excitement, um, you know, or these highs, but really, quote unquote, success is that peace. And to identify with that, you kind of have to meet yourself and be comfortable with yourself. Um, So, so many amazing insights there. Thank you so much for the conversation. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed today's discussion on unpacking the stories we tell ourselves, moving past self-limiting beliefs through mindfulness practices, and getting comfortable spending time with ourselves. For more information on today's guest, Amit Katabi's coaching practice, check out the show notes and be sure to subscribe to Career Catharsis to hear new topics in wellness and career transformation. I hope you enjoyed today's episode of the Career Catharsis podcast. It would mean the world to me if you shared this episode with somebody that you know to inspire someone to take the next step in their career. Send me your feedback at coach.neha.coram at gmail.com. Connect with me on Instagram at coach.neha or find me on LinkedIn. Simply type my name, Neha Koram, and you'll find me. Looking forward to connecting and see you next time.